A Mackenzie district farmer says last week's fires at Pukaki Downs and Lake Tekapo show the need to keep up the funding in the fight against wilding pines. Clint Miles, who farms Mount Cook Station, says wilding pines are contributing to the worrying fuel load in the district. He says eradication efforts to date likely helped limit the damage from last, week blazes, last week's blazes, a sentiment echoed by the local fire controller. Wilding pines were also implicated in the scale of the Lake Wohau Alpine Village fire three years ago. The National Wildlife Conifer Control Programme is a partnership between the Ministry for Pine Primary Industries, local government, farming and forestry industries, landowners and others. Established in 2016, its funding received a major boost in 2020 to $100 million over four years out of the Jobs for Nature programme. The Conifer Control Programme's funding is now down to $10 million for this year, with a commitment of $10 million a year thereafter in May's budget. But those on the front line fear it won't be enough to hold the significant ground they've already made, let alone advance. Farmer Clint Miles uh, of Mount Cook Station is with us first. Good morning, welcome. Good morning, how are you? Good, thanks for your time. I know you're really busy. Can you just explain the impact of wilding pines on your station? Uh, two thirds of our farm was covered in rolling pines when we took it over. Uh, we've sprayed out 1,100 hectares of wildings and harvested 300 hectares, and we've got another 700 hectares to harvest yet. So, of the two thirds of the station that were wilding when you purchased, what's it back to now? Uh, we've sprayed out, we've oversown it back to clover, and we've had about a one, one to two percent regrowth so far in that, and we have cleaned up. Post-harvest, we've got 0% of oh. regrowth, so putting it back into farmland. So there's no wilding? Just explain. How much How much, How much? much actual wilding pine is left? Uh, 700 hectares. 700 hectares, and would that be a third? Uh, yep. Bang yeah, under, well, under a third, just under a third, yeah. Great. So you've, 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 you've made great progress. Yep. What's yeah, the... And that, yep, sorry. Go ahead. And, that, yeah, that, well, we have made great progress, but there has been a long process to do it and um, need a lot more commitment yet. Okay, where are the seeds coming from? They, we know they spread like mighty, but but where are they coming from? Uh, there, there were some original plantations around Mount Cook Station from the previous owners um, right back into the early 40s uh, and that's just where it started from and it's just got worse and worse because no one's controlled them until now. So what has been the role with the um, conifer control program in, in assisting this work? Have you done a lot of it on your own and then did you get a boost from it? How's it worked? Uh, we wouldn't have been able to spray out what we have with the without the um, conifer trust and, and the funding. Uh, that has been a huge part of it and, and that's the only part that's made it actually financially viable to do it and to be able to make some gains on it. The if we lose this funding, then we're going to be going backwards uh, really, really fast. Is it helicopter work? Just explain where the big costs come in. Obviously, there's labour and everything else, but is, is, the, is the helicopter work a big part of this? Yeah, it is. Uh, we, if you look at larch, it's $600 a hectare to spray out, and pine's about $2,500 a hectare to spray out. In 2022... It pretty quick. Yeah, it does. 2022, wilding-free Mackenzie, so the local wilding... Um, Pine Action Group said it was close to having the upper hand in quote the war against wilding pines. Is that still the case? Uh, at present, I would say yes, but give it a year with very limited funding. Uh, no, we're going to be going backwards really quickly. We're not even going to be able to hold what we've 
what's been achieved. Everyone, the whole district's made a big, big inroad into the wilding problem around the basin. Uh, and if if we cannot carry on with that, then it's just going to be going backwards really, really quickly and a waste of money of what's been spent. So last year was 25 mil. It was the end of that four-year boost that came out of Jobs for Funder, Funding, uh, Jobs for yep. Nature Funding. Now it's 10 mil a year going forward. Do you know what portion of that you're getting? No. No, we, I don't know what we're, uh, portion of that the Mackenzie's getting, but uh, even 10 million over the South Island is absolutely nothing uh, uh, compared to what's out there and what needs to be done. And to, just to be able to keep the line where it is, uh, my thoughts are that we need another 100 million over, over another four to six years, uh, and then we'll be actually on top of it, and then it will be controllable. Is it possible in your district, do you believe, to get on top of it? In other words, if you remove enough and then if you suppress, you could reduce uh, fire risk, that's what we're talking about, you could essentially get on top of and hold if, if you get another four or five years at it. If in the Mackenzie Basin, if we got another four years of uh, decent funding, we would have... The Tekapo West Management Unit cleaned up and also the Pikaki Downs would be, uh, Pikaki West would be cleaned up as well, I would think. It would be, if not, it would be very, very close and it would be all the control and follow-up on the areas that have previously been done would be done as well, so there's no regrowth. You were helped fight last week's fires from the air. Can you describe what you were doing? Uh, we were uh, monsoon bucketing uh, with the helicopters, um, down on Pukaki Downs, it was a pretty volatile fire, strong winds, a lot of trees, a lot of fuel. Um, nothing's been grazed down there for a long time, so there's a lot of, a lot of long grass in, in between the trees as well, and the wildings certainly don't help. One of these two fires was described as being extremely unusual in its behaviour, and of course we're going into a very big northwest wind system, probably for the next two to three years. Uh, can you just explain again, as you were looking at it from above, can you see logically where the risks will sit and sit going forward if a fire breaks out? The whirling pines are a huge issue with the fuel loadings and being able to try and control the wildfires. Um, in the areas of 10-year review land that have been retired from depart- to the Department of Conservation not being grazed, that's all loaded now with a lot more grass, a lot more brown top and tussocks. So that's a lot more volatile as well. But then when it gets into these trees, it's just a ticking time bomb and it is a huge huge risk were you involved at all in the battle against the um Ohau flyers like Ohau alpine village fires three years ago no i wasn't personally but i had a lot of mates that did and uh yeah they everyone's saying the same thing it's 3500 uh, hectares i think a lot of it wilding pine yeah yeah and it's uh but it just makes it so unpredictable and hard to try and stop it um and it's going to be a huge risk to properties and possibly lives as well. We've been lucky so far not to have lost lives down here. Um, but the, if these welding pines keep going and the fire loading keeps going as it is, who knows what's going to happen. Was there a bit of luck one. last week with the snow that came in in a timely manner? Snow yeah. and rain. Saved again by the snow at Pukeke Downs, um, twice in a row. Um, but that's, yeah, that is... That's very lucky, and well, when we, we had to shut down a couple of times because the wind was so strong, uh, we had 80 knots of wind on the fire ground, so it was, became 
uh, not very pleasant to be in. And we shut down, and then it just becomes very, very volatile. And in the trees, with those fuel loading on the weldings, you can't, you're very, very limited on what you can actually achieve with it. We've seen a Sapir report from 2022. I don't know if you have a consultant's report that was um, um, requested by the Ministry for Primary Industries on behalf of the Conifer Control Programme. And look, it's it's just quite blunt. It blunt. It just says the gains made would, and I quote, quote, largely be lost. Wild and conifers would reinfest much of the previously controlled land and continue to spread. Um, that's in reference to the funding coming back to what it is. And it also goes on to talk about net loss over 50 years through impact on primary production, water biodiversity, and etc. Do you um do you feel like the case is being made? clearly enough for the value in keeping on at this and particularly if vulnerable areas like this one you could get on top of it and suppress it um i i totally agree with what was what's been said if if we stop then everything's just going to be reinvested and we're back to ground zero again if we don't if we can carry on with the funding now and get on top of it and hold it and clear it then it's going to stop the reinvestation uh, and then, then we have a chance to do stuff. It's the the funding has to keep going, otherwise it's, we're going to lose the Mackenzie Basin and we're going to lose a lot of the South Island. Clinton, in contact with farmers in other regions, Melbourne, parts of Melbourne has this issue as well. Parts of Central Otago has this issue. Uh, yep. You know, uh, what, what are they saying? Everyone's in the same boat. Um, the funding needs needs to continue, otherwise. The whole of New Zealand is going backwards at a great rate of knots. We're going to lose so much biodiversity, uh, farmland, water, everything, and we will end up having huge, bigger and bigger wildfires uh, and with the fuel loading that's available. It's it's a huge risk going forward, and everyone's in the same, in the same boat. What are you hearing from the firefighters um, themselves and and from fire and emergency itself about the specific risks in the district you're familiar with and indeed that you helped fight the fire with last week? Yeah, um, everyone in in this district is very well aware of the risk of um, wildfires in the Wilding Pines. Um, Our area is is one that's a high risk. The Kaki Downs is the other one. Um, They're the main ones left here now. We're working as hard as we can to clear ours to try and reduce that risk. You know, and then the Kaki Downs has had two big fires in three years, um, and it's yeah, it, it's making it harder and harder for the guys on the ground and to be able, and the cost of the fires are uh, getting huge now because of the, how much fuel's in there from the Wilding Pines. Clint, thank you. Clint Miles, Farms Mount Cook Station, 24 minutes to 10 on 9 to noon. Joining us now, and we thank him for it, is uh, Sherman Smith, who is with the Ministry for Primary Industries. Uh, good morning, Sherman. Good morning. I've just mispla- me. I've, thank you. Welcome. I've just misplaced your full title, please. Can you just tell us what it is? So I'm the manager for the National Wild and Conifer Control Programme at Biosecurity okay. New Zealand. Thank you. Um, did you say Biosecurity New Zealand? Yes, yes, great. which is part of MPI. That's great. Thank you. Just helps me there. Can you overview where the Conifer Control Programme has got to, given the efforts of the last few years? Yes, certainly. So um, the program started off in 2016, and since then we've really made some huge progress nationally. So um, it's it's a big 
partnership, as you mentioned, between a whole lot of parties, and I think um, the, effort, the collective efforts of everybody has, has really made a, a huge progress. So um, over the last few years, well, since 2016, we've delivered control, searching and removing wildings across about 3 million hectares of New Zealand, um, which is about over 10% of New Zealand. Um, and um, yeah, and that equates to about 70% uh, of the known infestation across the country. So we're making some pretty good inroads now. Um, we've been able to support farmers, the likes of Miles, uh, and starting to make some real progress on um, protecting their land um, and starting to, I guess, reduce the impacts that wildings potentially have on the country. So are you saying 70% of the infestation has been dealt to, Sherman? So it's 70% of the infestation has had at least one round of control across right. it. So um, in controlling wild, it's, it's not a one-hit wonder. You have to remove the initial infestation and then um, usually two to three um, three yearly rotations of coming back and dealing with the seedlings that will germinate from the seeds that are left in the soil. Is that ongoing? Or, or if you do the big effort at the start, as Clint was describing, yes, you might have to go back again, but you're not dealing with adult mature trees, right, which can in themselves become a fire risk when um, as they fall and before they rot. Um, is, is there a greater <laughs> expense at the, out, and a greater effort at the outset of the program than what happens on a two- to three-yearly basis to keep them suppressed? Yeah, that's right. So the, the main cost... It's usually that initial removal and then the, the first round of follow-up can be quite expensive depending on the situation. And then um, as you kind of exhaust the seeds that are in the soil, the, the cost will decrease. And I guess the, the long-term aim of the program is to get that land to a point where it's sustainable for the landowners themselves to manage that and transition the responsibility for managing it back to the landowners. So what stage are we at in this process? It sounds to me like the hardest yards have been done, but equally... If people can't keep at it, they'll be lost. Yeah, that's right. So, that, you know, we're working with our partners around um, making sure we're targeting our efforts in, in the highest risk areas, if you like. Um, so the program itself kind of works really closely with our programs around where we spend our funding. Um, so, yeah, we've made some pretty significant inroads um, and we've, we're now in a position where we've got uh, 10 million a year ongoing, which has given us more certainty than the programs had previously. Um, and we're kind of working with other program partners. So other part, so the, the 10 million funding is is the crown contribution through the program, but we also um, get funding from uh, land occupiers as a beneficiary of the program and other program partners. So uh, we're continuing to work with our existing program partners and with other potential funders for the program um, to, I guess, improve or increase the amount of control we can do yeah. going forward. I, I guess the stage it sounds like things are at, um, given there's been a big effort the last four years, what what resources, what practical resources would be needed to, to really sheet that gain home? Yeah, so there's a number of things going on. Um, we actually just recently had a workshop looking at um, the control tools for dealing with those um, small seedlings, which is what you end up dealing with um, in that follow-up maintenance and how we can be as efficient as possible around that. So I guess in addition to the, the control work that we do, the program's also you know, making sure that we've got really efficient tools for dealing with those things. And I think um, being able to deal with 
those seedlings in a really efficient way going forward will yeah. be a key. I, I hear everyone coming up with every possibility that they can, but as the bottom line, can the rate of progress be maintained as things stand, or does the scale of work need to ramp up in order to, to push home? Yes, so the, I guess the focus at the moment for the programme is really um, to do those maintenance rounds. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess the, the rate at which you can proceed uh, reflects your resources, but um, doing that follow-up maintenance, if we can keep on top of that, it means that we can then transition those areas of land um, back to the, to the land occupiers and give ourselves a bit of headspace for moving forward. Are the discussions with other agencies about the likes of wildfire risk and control going forward? And again, we were just hearing from Clint about what has happened in the um, uh, in the Mackenzie Basin and the Pukaki Downs area, which we know has been a high-profile area. We're going into a weather system that's predicting higher rates of uh, northwest winds. We know what that means in the South Island uh, for the next two or three years. Are other agencies getting together and saying, hey, look... Somehow, we need to push forward with this program. I, th- I certainly think the, you know, the risk associated with um, the fire hazard associated with wildlings is, is well understood. Um, we've certainly um, looked to highlight that, um, and we've worked with the landowners down in the Mackenzie around, you know, trying to remove the wildlings. Um, we we work really closely with uh, fire and emergency New Zealand, uh, particularly around where we're doing clearance around. Um, properties just to make sure that we're minimising any fire risk associated with the wildings and the, and the removal process itself. Sherman, I know it's difficult uh, at this stage to to talk about funding needs. Um, that's, that's out of your hands. Uh, but just the Sapir report itself perhaps speaks for itself um, and, and we'll, uh, we'll leave it to speak for itself. Sherman, I thank you very much for your time. Sherman Smith, who is with MPI. He is the National Conifer uh, Manager there with Biosecurity New Zealand.